0: Tonight I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter number 2. I understand it's dim in the room, so for you that may mean that you have an iPad or a phone, a Bible app, something like that you can look at. If not, that's fine. We will put the words on the screen, and you can read along with me this evening. But we are going to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture in Luke chapter number 2. If you have been with us here at Harvest... Over the past uh, few weeks, you know that we've been walking through what we have called songs of the season. Luke records in his gospel four different songs in chapter number one and chapter number two of Luke. There's Mary's song, Simeon's song, Zacharias' song, and then the angel song. The angel song is probably the most familiar Now for a period of weeks this year, untold thousands of children have gotten dressed up as shepherds and as maybe even cows and sheep or as angels and have put on some sort of a Christmas play through their school or through their church. And many of you in the room know what it's like to have a young person, maybe you did it this year, maybe you did it in previous years, where you had to repurpose an old bathrobe to make your child a shepherd. You had to work with your little angel to memorize their one line, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. This is an extremely familiar passage of scripture. And it's my honestly difficult task tonight to take this familiar passage of Scripture and not just give you sentiment and memories, but to give you the truth and the heart of what the angel song is. And that's what we're going to do for the next few minutes. We're going to read this passage of Scripture together, and we're going to do our best to understand it And I love that that most of us are familiar with this story, that many of you would know the words, and that's a difficult part of Christmas worship, is going back to familiar words and letting it attack your heart. So this evening, I hope that this passage of scripture will do just that, that it will attack your heart and that it will teach you and it will help you this Christmas season. I want us to understand just a a little bit of context here before we read the passage. Mary and Joseph have just gotten to Bethlehem. There's no room for them in the inn and now they are giving or just have given birth to Jesus there on what we would call Christmas evening. And then the story picks up in Luke 2 verse number 8 and I want to read verse number 8 with you. There were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now understand when when the Bible says this, that this angel is about to come to shepherds who are abiding in the field close to Bethlehem, understand a little bit about shepherds. Some of you may know this, some of you may not know this, but shepherds are the ultimate unskilled laborers. So if you were an adult shepherd, that was a life fail typically a shepherd was an elementary age child, maybe even a junior higher, but this was left by and large to children. This is why when you see the story of David, all his older brothers are in the army. David is the youngest, the runt, so he's the, the sheep keeper. I spent a, about 10 days or so in Israel earlier this year, and I saw several flocks of shepherds. I saw several uh, shepherds and their sheep, but I did not see one adult shepherd. I'm sure that they were there, but by and large I saw children. So if you were... If you were an adult shepherd, you were the humblest of the humble. You were the lowest on the socioeconomic ladder. And on top of that, shepherds were generally disregarded in their society for a couple reasons. Number one is that they were considered to be kind of irreligious. Just by nature of them being with the sheep all the time, it prohibited them from observing the law of Judaism. They couldn't really keep the ceremonial law of of washing themselves how they were supposed to. They really couldn't go to the temple on, on a regular basis as they were supposed to. And then to make matters even worse, shepherds had a tendency, generally speaking, to confuse mine with thine. They had this tendency and were known for kind of traveling as nomads through the land. And if they saw maybe something that they liked that was close by or maybe on the other side of the fence, well, we'll just kind of take it with us. So these are are the shepherd people that the the angel comes to, and shepherds are so disregarded in in the first century that their testimony, you could not account for it in a court of law. So if if I murdered you next to a shepherd, a shepherd could not give testimony that this is what happened. They were that disregarded and, and of that ill repute. And these are the people that this angel, and then a multitude of angels, is about to show himself and themselves to. And understand, even this verse teaches us something. This teaches us really what Luke has has taught us for two chapters and that's that God is no respecter of persons. That God all through, if you read Luke's account chapter 1 and chapter 2, you find that angels, God shows up to Mary, the poor young Jewish girl, not a great mix if you're a first century citizen. He shows up to Elizabeth, the older woman with a barren womb. He shows up to Simeon who would have just kind of an obscure man. We don't know much about him, but this man, Simeon, he shows up to an, to an older widow named Anna in Luke chapter number two. He shows up to angels all through the Christmas story. If you read the account, it's God time and time and time again showing up to people, and you find that God doesn't care if you're male or female. God doesn't, God doesn't care if you're rich or poor. God doesn't care if you, if you have it all together, if you're addicted. God doesn't care. God shows up to these people, and, and he introduces himself to shepherds, and, and maybe, maybe this evening that would ring a bell with you because you would feel like, well, I'm just, I don't feel like much. Can I tell you, God wants to move into your life and do something explicable. He wants to do something that is, that is outlandish, something that's amazing in your heart if you'll let him. The story continues in verse number nine. It says this, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon him and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid or they were very afraid and rightfully so. If you're in the middle of the, the fields at night, maybe it's as dim or so as about it is in this room tonight, and all of a sudden someone turns the lights on and you see an angel, that's going to scare you. I encourage you in your own time to maybe study when angels show up in the Bible, what happens? What's the emotion people experience when an angel shows up? The emotion every time is fear. Fear. Because angels are not these cute little toddler-looking chubby, you know, things that are at hallmark with nice little wings. Angels are majestic, fear-invoking, powerful creatures. And these shepherds, the Bible said, that they're afraid. And the angel says to them, verse number 10, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. So here's what the angel says to them. No more fear, good news, great joy to everyone. Now, I want to know what these good tidings are going to be, don't you? Here is a message that the angel is about to deliver that is going to cast out fear, that's going to produce joy inside of anyone who will receive it. And this is good news. This is what the angel says. Here is good news for you, casting out fear, producing joy to everybody. And can I tell you, the message that he's going to deliver was applicable to these men, but it's applicable to you and I still today. And perhaps you sit in this room this evening and 2017 hasn't been the best Christmas season that you can remember. I am well aware that in a room this size and with this many people here, that some of you this this Christmas season just hasn't been that much fun. It's been your first year without him or her. 2017 hasn't unfolded how you thought that it would. And you're looking at 2018 and you're fearing that that's going to domino and cascade into something that's even worse. It's very possible that you're sitting here and and that this Christmas season, it it hasn't been happiness. It hasn't been merriment. It hasn't been smiles. It's just been, been tough sledding. Can I tell you the message that the angel's about to deliver was for these men to cast out fear, to bring in joy, great news to all people. And it's still for you. So listen to what the angel says. Verse number 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The angel says, here's the good news. A Savior is born in Bethlehem, and that Savior is Christ the Lord. The angel says to the scared shepherds, Look, guys, here's the great news that's going to cast out your fear, bring in joy. You're going to be to all people. Here's the news that you have been waiting for. Today a baby was born in Bethlehem, and this baby is the Christ. This baby is the anointed one, the Messiah, the one who the Jews have been looking for. And on top of that, this baby is the Lord. This baby is Emmanuel. He's God with us. And on top of that, this baby is the Savior, as the angel said to Mary, he came to save people from their sins. He's come as a Savior to offer salvation to all those who will believe on his name. Guys, here's the good news for you. Salvation, a Savior, news of great joy, news for all the people of the world, just what the world needs. Guys, here, let me give it to you. Let, and let me do this for you this evening. I know that we're 2,000 years removed. And you can say, okay, great for the shepherds. They got some good news. No, it's, it's personal for you. It's good news to you. To make it personal, let me say it this this way. Unto you, unto me a savior was born. And that's not personal enough, let me put it this way. Jesus was born to save you, and he's Christ the Lord. Now, to understand that good news, there's a prerequisite you have to understand if a savior is offered, if a savior is needed, it necessitates you understanding that you need saving. Now, this is this is difficult for some people to get. They say, "Mean saving? What do you mean mean need saving? Like, like someone who's trapped in a fire needs saving? Like someone who is drowning needs saving? Yes, exactly. Hopeless, helpless. I can't do it. Help me. Save me. Need saving." You say, I don't feel like I need saving. Need saving from what? If, if you don't get anything this evening, get this. When the Bible speaks of saving, it speaks of saving people from their sin, from death, and from hell. This is this is what the Bible, when it says saving, saving from sin, from death, and from hell. And, and when it says that this is good news to all people, a Savior is born, what that means is we first have to understand that we need saving from this Savior. I'd put it this way. You have to understand that you need saving, that underneath all of the good person persona, underneath all of the the, the religious trinkets and and traditions and and all that you have going on, lies the rebellious heart of a sinner in need of saving. And I know that that may sound harsh. I I get that I live in 2017 right now, and that would seem completely anti-cultural. But think about it, ponder it for a minute. Hasn't your heart always been a bit rebellious, and you thought that you knew best? When you were 8, 9, 10, 13, 14, who did you think knew best, you or your parents? Now, I know that you look in retrospect now, and you think, oh, well, of course they knew best. You know that now, but when you were that age, who did you think it was? You thought you did. And so do your kids, and so do your grandkids. Why is that? Because we think that we know how to run our lives best. This is why it's difficult for us to surrender 100% and give the reins over to Jesus. Because we think that we know best. But time goes on and things, they don't change much, do they? We continue to be self-absorbed. We continue to be self-interested and look at us. If if you think I'm lying to you, I'll prove it to you. Tonight, go out in the lobby, take a a nice little family photo around one of the Christmas tree setups we have there. Great, have fun, get someone, get the family together, take a picture. What will determine if that picture is social media worthy, if that picture is a good picture or not? How you look, right? Right? The, the person next to you has these red eyes because of the flash. The person over here has their eyes closed. The one behind you is halfway through a sneeze, but you look good, so it's a great picture. Why do we do We all do that, don't we? Why? Because we care about us. We're interested in us. We look to ourselves. This is, this is in our hearts naturally. This is why you don't have to teach your children to lie. No one's ever done that. You teach your children to tell the truth. You teach your children to obey because they naturally lie. They naturally disobey because the Bible understands you and it understands me. And it says this about us, that underneath all of the religious trappings is this this rebellious heart, this sin-bent nature that wants to do wrong. And frankly, we like it sometimes when we do wrong, most of the time. And the Bible understands that and says, because of that sin, you can't fix it yourself. I can't fix it myself. I can preach till I'm blue in the face. I can pastor for a million years. It doesn't matter. I can't fix it. And the angel says, look, here's good news. A Savior is born to you. A Savior who wants to save you from your sins. You, a traitorous people who have who have committed this, this cosmic insanity and, and rebelling against God. You, he's, he's going to save you. This Savior is born and I would add not just born. He lives a perfect life. He dies a substitutionary death for you and me. He's buried and he raises from the dead for you, for me, for our sins. He doesn't die because of his sin or, or his lies or his lust or his anger or, or his malice toward other people. No, he dies for my sin, for my lust, for my anger, for my, for, for my problems. Jesus takes that as a substitute on the cross. So understand this verse, the good news that should cast out fear, the good news that should bring great joy, the good news that's to all people. This, there's a prerequisite. You have to understand the Savior that's born. He's born to save you, which means you're in need of saving. Now, I'm, I'll give you one more that's completely anti- anti-cultural. I understand it's very popular nowadays to say that, well, all religions, all roads are leading up the same mountain to the same place, and at the top, there's God. I mean, call them Buddha, Confucius, Allah, Jesus. It don't matter. You're all going to the same place. If Jesus ever said anything clearly, it's that that's a lie. That's a sham. Jesus says so clearly you want to go to the Father, you must come through me. That there's no name given under heaven whereby men must be saved. It's Jesus' name. The angels didn't didn't come and say, hey, great news, someone else was was born, Muhammad was born, and, you know, he's going to be a savior. No, it's Jesus' And this is the great news that's delivered to these shepherd men. Understand, men, in Bethlehem right now, there was a baby that was born, and that baby is the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. That baby is Lord, he's Emmanuel, God, with us, and that baby is a Savior who will save his people from their sins. The angel continues and says, verse number 12, this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. That's not really a very complex verse. The angel says, hey, you want to find him? Well, he's born today. He's a newborn. He's in Bethlehem. And you'll find him in swaddling clothes and in a manger. Now, swaddling clothes, most all babies would have been in swaddling clothes. Manger, that would have made it really unique. And the angel says, hey, here's, here's a unique enough concoction that you will be able to distinguish this baby from all other babies. This is where you'll find him. Verse 13 and 14, here's the angel song. This is what we'll end with this evening. And suddenly there was with the single singular angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, so an army of angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Here's the angel song, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. In light of his birth, in light of salvation being offered to people, in light of this announced amnesty with man, an offer of peace to mankind, in light of that, the multitude, the army of angels sing glory to God in the highest. Now you have sung this whether you realize it or not. You've just probably sung it in Latin. We have a carol that we sing, and we sing, and that goes on for like 18 seconds, and it shall day, Everything about what is that? Like, what did we just say? Well, you said in Latin, glory to God in the highest. You sang the angel song. And the angels say in light of Now, to understand the angel song, you've got to get what they just said to the shepherds. The angels say, in light of what we just gave to you, in light of the good news, in light of the Savior, in light of Jesus being born, in light of Christmas, glory to God in the highest. This means that Christmas really isn't about us. Sure, we're in it, and sure, we're saved from our sins, and Jesus was born to die for you and I, but really, this is about the glory of God. This is why I hope that this Christmas season, beyond this service tonight, tomorrow, that that you spend some time praising and giving glory to God. Enjoy your breakfast, enjoy your stockings, enjoy your presence with your kids or your grandkids. Enjoy the Steelers whooping up on whoever they're playing tomorrow night. I forget who they're playing, but they should win. Enjoy it all. But above all of that, give some glory to God for what he did. Point to him, remember him, think about the Savior, not just you. It's not to be self-absorbed, it's supposed to be about him and what amazes me is the angel song, they sing glory to God in the highest for this news, for this offer of peace, for this savior that's being born. Now, chew on that for just a minute. Think of all the multitude, the army of angels, could have given praise and glory to God for. I'll give you one. You know, the angels were there when God created the heavens and the earth, When God created the universe, as the Bible tells us in Genesis, the angels were there. The angels would have seen God put the chandelier of stars into the sky. Now, I'm no astronomer, but astronomers estimate that there are 3,000 billion trillion stars in the universe. That's today. I'm sure that number will grow in time. That's three with 24 zeros after it. Now, we tend to get lost in numbers like million, billion, and trillion. So let me, let me just try to help you wrap your mind around how, how big and how vast that is. How long ago do you think a million seconds was? A one was six zeros after it, one million. One million seconds ago was early Wednesday morning, December the 13th of this year. My third-born son, Cruz, was about to be born A million seconds ago. It's about a week and four days. How long do you think a billion seconds ago is? One with nine zeros. A billion seconds. April, this time last year. A billion seconds ago was April the 15th, 1986. A gallon of gas was 86 cents. The Cold War was coming to an end and I wasn't even born yet. Can I get a? Who in the room is not a billion seconds old yet? All right, there's a few of us. We're not a billion seconds old. A billion seconds. How long do you think a trillion seconds was? One with 12 zeros. One trillion seconds. Like Columbus held the ocean blue in 1492. The first Christmas, you know, Jesus was being born. One trillion seconds ago was 31,688 years ago. Rocky One was just released. Why, why do I, so that's a trillion, okay? That's 12 zeros. You got to get 24 zeros behind a three before you get the amount of stars in the universe. Why do I say that? The angels knew God created that. But this night, that's not why they say glory to God. They do not sing glory to God in the highest for creation. They do not sing glory to God in the highest because he's awesome, because he's mighty. They sing glory to God in the highest because a Savior is being born in Bethlehem because Jesus, God, is taking on flesh. He's coming to save us from his sins. They understand the enormity of what's happening. They see the gospel unfolding. They see the offer of peace to a world that has rejected God, that has rebellious hearts that are bent against him, but we like to think that we're good. We like to think that we're religious. They see all of this and they see that God is going to die for us and this causes them to sing and to praise and to say glory to God in the highest God is worthy of praise and God is worthy of glory for what he's doing in Christmas and on top of that peace on earth goodwill toward men in light of all that God is doing now an offer of peace is extended to humanity we can now have peace with God This is not saying peace on earth, there will be no more wars, there will be no no more fighting, there will be no more sibling rivalries where you punch your your brother in the face. That's not what they're saying. Although that would be a good thing, that's not what they're saying. They're saying now men can have peace with God. Men can know their sins are forgiven. Men can know that they will have eternity with God, that, that is secured, and they, won't, they don't have to work for it, worry about it. Men can know the Savior, Jesus Christ, who dies for their sins. Really? That's what Christmas is all about. Frankly, that's what tonight is all about. And if you do not know peace with God, If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you do not know that your sins are forgiven, if you do not know that heaven would be your home, if you went into eternity today, tonight I want to invite you to receive him. It's simple. You put your faith and trust not in you or not in anyone else, not in any human, but you put it in Jesus. That he came, lived, died, was buried, and rose again for you according to the Scriptures. This is what the Christmas story has always been about. This is what all the cutesy little Christmas plays that our kids do and the angels come and we dress them up and the shepherds come and they dress them up. That's the angel song. Glory to God. Peace offered to men. Because in Bethlehem, a Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord, was born for us.